1: Out. A star attraction, the one you came to see. ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only Ms. Judy Gold.
0: So all right, was it really brutal being at Yale Drama School?
1: Uh, the hours were hard, the routine of it is hard, and our class was not extremely close so some of the were, yeah it was it was extremely hard, it was brutal. It was brutal. I, I, I'm i trying to, like, you know, make it sound right. awesome. it's hard, And I think also the the great gift and the great problem of training at the best drama school in the world is you're operating under this terrific pressure. Like, here I am at the Yale School of Drama, right? Like, I played Richard II. That was my final role. And I was like... Wow. Oh. But, but it wasn't just how can I play Richard II. I think the pressure was, like, how can I play Richard II at the Yale School of Drama? Right, right. And so it's, and and the training is so good, but it's so intense that I feel bad for drama school students because you're trying to deal, you're trying to manage your speech training, your voice training, your acting training, your body training, right? We do this thing called Alexander Techniques. So yes, I did that, yes. Fine aligned. You're trying to manage too much. Uh-huh it's very overwhelming and you want to be the best because you're at Yale. You want to be the best actor in the world. But I think proudly, one of the great things that about Yale being outside of the city is that it's an incubator. So I think I did some of the worst acting of my life at Yale.
0: And and that's why I went. But did you feel safe? Did you feel safe? Totally. Failing or not failing, but you know oh, what I mean?
1: No, I failed a lot and I felt extremely safe, but the pressure is, it's not, the institution, it's right. the, in the institution being like, I've right. made it this far. How like, do I stand out? How do I self-criticism, you know, right. like, I was more critical of myself at Yale than I am than I ever was outside of Yale. Uh, and I mean, sorry, post-Yale. I don't, I don't put myself under that same pressure right? of being. So like,
0: it really does prepare you for, cause you, you, I, I read that you say that you're neurotic and anxious. But I'm- Join the club, join the club. But it's like- Yeah. Just talking about it with you, I feel the, like, I feel like, oh my God, would you be able to share who was in your um, Yale class with?
1: Oh yeah, one of the best actors alive. My friend Winston Duke was in my class. Yep. He's incredible. He's a scene stealer galore. And we were always paired as, he's like six, four, or five. This huge, gorgeous- amazing like trinidadian this dark skin black beauty and me i'm like invisible i'm clear i'm ghost and i'm five foot two and like 90 pounds so that that our our you know the casting the chairs that did the casting at yale were always they had a ball they always put us together as a couple i love that i
0: love that do they do they keep everyone for the whole time or do they it's
1: not a cut program that's so good So healthy. I mean, what the fuck? I hope I hope cut cut programs. I hope they don't exist anymore. Yeah,
0: it also makes you so like emotionally cutthroat when you're in the business. Like you're always gonna have that edge of like, oh my god, I'm gonna, you know, it's just it's not good. It's not a good way to learn.
1: Thinking you're gonna be fucking cut, you know? Terrible. I think it creates like monsters and it creates people who behave really badly.
0: As someone who always knew that you were going to do theater. Sitting in that class, I knew this with my grandfather. I knew I was going to do this. You get out of school and you work immediately. Now, you did pay it forward with Kevin Spacey and Hallie Joel Osmet. When I was 11, yeah. So you're working, you were working before, you know, you got to this Yale. And so were there people at Yale that never had you know, done any theater at all? Or was it, were you like in a different sort of oh, here I am, I know how to work. I know the, how the business works, you know?
1: No, I don't think I was because I was also fresh out of undergrad and right. I, I double majored in theater and Soviet and post-Soviet studies because I don't know. I
0: I just, okay. That is so fucking hot. I can't even fucking deal with it. Hannah, I know, I know that, I know that Molly's mom said that, oh, she likes you, but now I'm going to reverse it and be like, wow. Okay.
1: (laughs) Hannah likes that. Um, It's, uh, but, but I, okay, I did that, Judy, because like, I knew that I, I've always known that I was going to do this for a living. It's like the great love of my life and I happen to be good at it. So right. it just, it's it, in your blood. It's yeah. in your blood. It's okay. Like I just, right. started, it's it's okay that this is what I want to do and that I love it. And that I get hired for a job. But so in undergrad, I really wanted to do things that had nothing to do with acting. So I, I studied, a, I took so many classes in neuroscience. I love that. Many you classes. did? Oh my God. Yes. I, w- I ended up falling in love with neuroscience. It was my absolute favorite. You could be like, what's your name? Maya Bialik. No. She's a
0: fucking doctor. She's a fucking neuroscientist. Oh, I had no. Ner- yes, she is a fucking neuroscientist. And and you know what's her name? Danica Keller, whatever, who was on um the Wonder Years. Oh, oh, she right. a, She's like a, a math PhD and like these. It's fucking amazing. The fact that your brain can do both of those things, like that, is. Really amazing that both of your sides of your brain work that well.
1: Well, I'm, I'm terrible at math. That's why initially that's why I took neuroscience. It was to get my math credit um, because I didn't want to take any real mathy classes, but I ended up falling in love with understanding psychology on like a neurochemical level.
0: Right. Right. Uh, Here's something that you'll love. You and Hannah will love that. My younger son, Ben, who is six, eight and plays division one basketball loves psychology. he wants to be a psycho i mean, like he is he loves it. He took educational psych. like so that's what you're gonna give to these to your children, to your <laughs> grown boy you've I've heard you talk about chosen family versus birth family, which i i want to cry um because you know, as a gay as an old gay it i to to try to to have someone your age really get that concept is just so beautiful because it really is true. Like, you know, my, my girlfriend, Elisa, who I love, she's my fiance. Um, she's so, oh, please. It's been 14 years. Um, she is so attached to her family. Like that is number one. Like there's this sort of like You're in the family or you're not in the family. And and my relationships with people outside of my birth family are so intense that I think sometimes people who have this fucking amazing birth family don't get that, no, this is, like, this is my heart and soul. So it's like, you're so
1: fucking an old soul. I can't take it. I'm ancient. Are you kidding? I'm literally ancient. I've literally, and since I was little, I've always known. I remember saying to my grandparents when I was really little, I said, well, Molly's a great name now, and it's going to be great when I'm Grandma Molly or Bubby Molly, but what does a Molly do as like a 20-something or right. a middle-aged Molly? What is, and my grandparents were like, what? And I was like, well, I am, you know, I'm old. I'm an old soul. And they were like, okay, I think you'll be fine. You just do, do exactly what you're doing now until you get old and you'll be ready. And I feel like when I... When I hit that part, when I join AARP, I'm going to be like, here I am. You're going to be on the fucking cover. I have been waiting all my life for this.
0: (laughs) I love that. All right. So you end up, you get younger right, right away. And you go on this audition and it's six lines and Darren stars. And you thought it initially it was just for the pilot and it ends up becoming a bigger role. But the funniest part is that I love that reading this, that you had to look at Kathy and Jimmy's Bush, right? Is this right? Uh, Sutton Foster. I'm sorry. Sutton Foster's Bush. And you were like disgusted. And Darren was like, maybe he gave you a little adjustment.
1: He did. It was amazing. He was like, so I see that you are playing, you know, kind of grossed out, and that's 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 a choice. I think this character can you play it with a little more wonder? And I was like, ah, oh, yes, yes, I can, and that was so informative. I mean, how lucky that I had a callback with Darren Star for a six-line guest star in right. like one scene in the pilot that ended up going for seven years. I mean, it is insane, but. It was Bashir in some ways because it, it helped me. That is the lens that I played this character with for seven years, where my instinct would be to play it with a little bit of judgment. I just would always make sure in that moment to adjust it to wonder. And right. it mentally made her, I think, this like cult favorite. In she was like the first of its kind character on TV. She was, you know, a pansexual best. She's the, she's basically the gay best friend, but she's not. Right. She She's also like, she's not tokenized for her sexuality and she's a problem solver and she's a, a self-loving, she's obsessed with herself. Right. And she's a good friend. Like she's just, she's an anomaly. And I feel right. I did that with Darren's guidance. If you're, if you're actually listening, you can really like that one word, just do it with wonder.
0: That rarely happens. It's like, next, next. The fact that he took that, he said, I'm going to give her a note. It was the simplest thing, in you know, when you think about it, but it wasn't. And, and like, I wish more directors and creators would do that with actors instead of being like, nah, 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 you know? So you play Lauren Heller, who's a Jew. Jew, Jew, Jew! Um, and she is pansexual. And you also describe yourself do you describe yourself as pansexual?
1: I don't know. I'm queer. I don't know what I am.
0: I describe myself as bed pansexual. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> <laughs> Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. I do a bit in my act. I was dying to talk to you about this. I do a bit in my act about because, you know, we started out as LGB, then we became LGBT, which much better. And then once we added the queue, the, we opened the, the Pandora's box.
1: The APK um, Plus community. Yeah.
0: I totally get it. I totally get it. And then I'm also there's a little bit of Archie Bunker in me of like, okay, just hear me out on this. I feel like we, my generation. I mean, we did go through a plague, but I feel like what we, the way we approached it was, okay, this is the world. We're gonna be in the world, and we're gonna teach you why we are. Equal to you and deserve to live with dignity, you know. And I feel like sometimes, not you, but like twenty-year-olds, or are like, nope, you can't say that. Nope, you can't do that. Nope. And it's like, no, I have lived on this earth, and I'm allowed to talk about that because that was my experience. And I feel like um, a lot of these, I mean, maybe it's the gender stuff, but it's so specific. And I feel like we're all fluid and i and i'm not trying to be close-minded but i feel like, like it's like it's equivalent to getting a tattoo when you're 18 and you're then you know in 10 years you're like why the fuck did i get that tattoo you know so i i feel like sometimes people are micromanaging their identities not sexuality more
1: but is that does that make any sense to you like it does make sense and i i feel like you know, we are the queer community is live is like undergoing a change, which, which I actually think is good. I mean, yeah. And, and part of it is, um, not to get too heady, but I think part of it is like language is oppressive and language, especially the English language, can only go so far and do so much in terms of describing how you want to identify. Right. Um, so that. I get, I I feel like, I wish there was a safe space for people to both fuck it up, learn how to get it right. And like within families, right? I think that's, that would be most interesting to me. If like families that include folks that are like struggling with their gender identity and their gender performance and their sexuality. If they could all sit down and be like, listen, here's what scares me about, you know, me Let's say I want to transition. Here's what scares me about doing that. I'm afraid if I'm transitioning, you know, F to M, I'm afraid you're going to misgender me and I'm afraid that's really going to hurt. And here's, right. Why, right. Right? here's why it will hurt. Or, you know, my my partner, for example, I'll just give a very concrete example. My partner is um, gender non-conforming. She uses she, her pronouns. But it some when her nephew was born, I remember... It like, it was a little painful. He's only, I think, four now. I remember it being a little painful for her that everyone in her family and not even in her family, just people who met the baby boy were immediately socializing him.
0: As I, a- I, I, I am the same as she is. I am exactly the same. I think gender reveal parties are the most disgusting.
1: Agreed, agreed. I just don't, don't do it. Like you don't, you don't need to do right. it. Right. Example here's the thing like I don't want to if we if we will probably have a son because we're lesbians or because you know <laughs> we're two women I I do not want to have a bris even though I'm Jewish I don't want to have a bris because I actually don't want to have a party where we celebrate the patriarchy and we celebrate like you know circumcising the boy Let's just you have, have to go you have to
0: go to have you heard of the lapshul
1: Yeah I have I have
0: Oh okay My friend goes there and her daughter had a B mitzvah and her son had a B mitzvah, which was, and they don't do the patriarchy and her father's Orthodox. And he started going, you know, I'm a Kohen. And they were like, okay, take care. It's so weird because, you know, Demi Lovato just came out as, as they, them. And, and I, and I used to be like, what's going on? Like, and there's so many women my age, you know, I'm 58. And there's so many moms and we're all so, I mean, like, I'm a gay, like I'm like, you know, and I realized, as I was thinking this morning, I wish I could have been because I was a they them. like i I sort of am half and half. And I won't wear women's shoes anymore. Like I'm just done, you know? And it was like it's I feel so it's I guess it's this weird thing where I feel like, so grateful. I'm happy that they have that, and maybe a little jealous that I had to grow up in this boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl, and never fit in. And I'm I'm always misgendered because I'm six two, or I was six three, but I'm six two now. I didn't um, know you were that tall. Yeah, and so I've always been misgendered, like always. And it really pisses me off because they don't look at my face. I mean, I just had eye surgery on Wednesday, and I was laying on the gurney, and the anesthesiologist came in and said, called me, sir. And I was like, really? And then he looked at my thing and he looked at my name. He said, oh, she. And then I thought, and it's I'm getting so, and I'm like, you don't know if I'm a she, you know, like you looked at my name, like I'm really getting, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of jealousy, but it's definitely, there's this thing and you definitely don't have it that I want to say, without us, you wouldn't be able to do this, you know, like without what we went through. And I feel like so many kids don't like, they're like, you're an old fucking dyke and you're this and that. And it's like, no, I actually fought. So you could be who you are.
1: I mean, I'm not like that Judy, because my chosen parents, my chosen family, my mom's are old gays. Right. (laughs) Then they, they were deep, deep, deep in those fights. They were not casually being old gays, you know, they were not casually being young gays being gay. They were right. fighting for the rights that myself and my partner now have. So, they are my heroes, my my moms and um I think that's we're going to have to be very careful, the, especially the generation younger than mine. I'm I'm a millennial, I guess. But the baby generation under me, they need to know. I mean, I'm going to have to work hard and my peers will have to work hard to make sure that they understand what it cost the community to get where it is now.
0: Do you follow a- the AIDS Memorial on Instagram? I do. Every morning I check that it's just a reminder of like what we lost. Um, And so I just, you're so fuck. I love you. Um, Can you tell, first of all, you were dating guys, whatever. It doesn't matter. You meet Hannah banana. Okay. Now were you shocked? I know you're open and you know, are you shocked at yourself that you are going to spend your life
1: with a she, her. Um, maybe. I don't know. I she's my person. And yeah. ever since I was little, I always knew that I will marry whoever I want to marry. But I knew that if I was gonna marry a man, I would probably go through a few marriages. Right. <laughs> so it was not, I mean, I on the one hand, I think I'm so relieved that I don't have to deal with a man for the rest of my life. And Hannah is just this exquisite. She's just amazing. And I, I, I cannot believe that she puts up with me and that I met her and that I, that I was allowed by whatever spiritual force or the universe. You know, it's Joe and Bina looking over you. It must, it must be because I think I, I really truly never believed that I would find that I didn't believe I was deserving of a love like this. I think every, I think a lot of people in my life were surprised that, cause I chased Hannah. I met her at the, I, my friend and I hosted this um, fire and fury, like salon style wine and cheese night where we read the first three chapters and we each invited six people. And Oh my God, that's so great. And my friend Ariel invited Hannah. They went to Jewish day school together and um, I invited, you know, my, my weird, you know, loud, Theater of friends, and um, I just was like, I couldn't stop talking to her. I couldn't stop looking at her. Isn't and that? It's so great. Just was like, this person is amazing. And then we went on this date. Was she? Was it reciprocated? She, I think, absolutely had no idea that I was queer. Um, even though I was leaning in horde, but I, I walked her outside. And I like, I showed off. I took Henry, my dog downstairs and he's really good at peeing off leash. So I like didn't bring a leash and I was like, this is how good of a dog mom I am. And I, you know, at the end of the night as she was walking away from the building, I was like, yeah, so I'm just wondering if um, I can, if you have one, if I could maybe, if you know, if I could have your phone number. <laughs> and was, like, sure, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it just ended up being the best first date of my life. And the second date was the best. It was just, I was, I was floating. I was, I was high. I was essentially like, I was on drugs for like the first eight months of our relationship.
0: I remember when I met Elisa and in the beginning and I, I couldn't sleep because I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Like I'm laying in bed. Like, oh my God, oh my God. I can't believe I, You know, like, it's so exciting when you meet the right person, even though I want to kill her right now, but so many people never get that. Ever. Mm-hmm. I am so Kinsey Six. Like I, it's so weird because I love men. Like I love my sons and I have so many straight guy friends. I've always loved, loved hanging around with the guys. I have no desire to be near that thing. I don't want it in me. I don't want it near my face. I don't want it near
1: my ass. I just don't even, ugh, I don't gross. I don't want it near my ass. <laughs> I don't know. This is where you and I are a little different. And I think I don't, maybe I am honestly pansexual. I'm definitely yeah. Maybe bisexual, but I would also, but I don't need to sleep with people in the binary either. Like, right. Judy, maybe I am pansexual. Um, That's, I just feel like this is, this is why I choose to identify as queer because I love Hannah and Hannah is my person. But I wasn't, I don't, I'm not, I don't identify as like a queer woman who's like, I hated having sex with men when I was sleeping. Right. Right. I like sex. I
0: like love. I like, it's so, that's so fascinating to me because I, had a boyfriend in college because we thought uh, my generation was like, it's so weird. You thought, well, let me try it to make sure I have to make sure because I can't live like that. You know, it's going to be such a hard life, but we all like, you kept trying and try. And I felt like I was being assaulted. It was so unnatural, you know, and it wasn't his fault because he wasn't assaulting me, but I was just like, "Uh and, and I hated it. So I, that's why I think I'm a Kinsey six, but it's just. It's so, it's, yeah, it's fascinating because my generation also didn't believe bisexuals were really, there were, it was like, you're gay, you know, but I, we've evolved so much and I, and it's because of people like you. Now, what your moms, when you met had a Banana, were they like surprised? Were they
1: excited? You can see my face. I have to like, <laughs> I have to act it out for you. It was like guys, I just went on like the best date of my life with this woman, Hannah. And, and as, as it got like, I think maybe like day, date two or three, it was so clear. Like when I'm going to fall in love, I pretty, I know right away. I know before I fall, it's happened just a couple of times in my life. And like, you, I, I know. And I knew that I was like, just my world was totally flopped upside down. And my moms, I'll never forget. They were like, Oh, Hannah! <laughs> Great, yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you want to tell us about her? You, they were like they were trying to be, they were really trying to play it cool, I and mean, right. they are not performers, right? Not doing a good job at hiding. They were basically like I could see fireworks going on, Right. Off. like yay, yeah, being yeah. pumped, and. I I was like I called him out I was like it's okay just like like, jump up and down a little bit it's okay
0: (laughs) and then they met Hannah Banana and they fell in love with her
1: they're they're besotted oh I'm so happy for you honestly me too and I'm such a fucking anxious and oh please such an anxious mess that I'm always like oh I'm so happy that I'm you know I think it's just part of my my hard wiring is like when is the other shoe gonna drop
0: oh my god Join El Klub (laughs) Jew. I have two last questions, but I I swear to God I could talk to you forever. You're so fascinating. And um, your Bina ran Robert Kennedy's presidential campaign in L.A. Yes. And my grandparents
1: were there at the Ambassador Hotel. No fucking way. Did they ever talk about it? Yes. And luckily my grandfather wrote a book that I'm actually working to edit. I might also do something. I don't know where I like annotate it and I publish it as by both of us or something. But right. um, he does tell the story in that book. His, is, his book is mainly about his life as an actor and as an acting teacher. But there is the bit where Bina was running, was running Bobby's campaign in L.A., but yeah. I have amazing buttons. I have a, uh, an RFK button. That's oh, cool. I have these amazing telegrams from Bobby Kennedy to my. No way! They are incredible from Western Union. You know, meet at the Ambassador Hotel. It's so crazy. That's so.
0: What a major
1: loss. That. Ugh, that wow. whole. I mean, listen. That whole decade was just un. It was too much. I know. Too much. And look at us now. Look at the fucking dumb shits we are now. We're full of dumb people. It's dummies, dumb dumbs walking around dumbing. And they have this, they can vote, these dumb fucks. The dumbs can vote. The dumbs right. can vote in 2016. Yeah. yeah, it's bad.
0: Um, okay, so, oh, you didn't mention Lupita Nyong'o.
1: Yeah, Lupita was a year, the year above me at Yale. Okay, fuck this article that you graduated
0: together. I can't.
1: Oh, no, no, no. She was one year. But I mean, yeah. we, we spent a lot of time together, but we were not classmates as such. Right, okay. Right.
0: First of all, I'm so happy for you that you found Hannah Banana and that she's a good lawyer and she's adorable. And you're beyond beautiful. These are my two questions I ask every podcast guest. Number one, we're a pro-mental health. I suffer from depression, anxiety, like, I can't even tell you, I'm on 8,000 meds. What do you do for your mental health?
1: Oh, Judy, I love that you talk about this on your podcast. I, mental health is like one of the great passions in my life. I, the reason, you know, I don't talk about my childhood because I had a really fucked up childhood. And I'm private about it because I don't know that I'm ready to share all of that. But I'm definitely ready to share that I see a therapist who specializes in PTSD twice a week. I'm on 15 milligrams of Prozac. I love therapy. I love that, you know, there are psychopharmaceuticals that help provide a floor. So I, I
0: am- Do you like the Prozac? I was on the- I've been on everything. I was on the Prozac and I, I forgot why I had to stop. Did I get fat? I, I forgot why, but yeah. I'm on the Wellbutrin. Okay. And the Luvox. Oh, I don't know what that is. Luvoxamine. And it's it's an SSRI. And I take a- a uh, deplin which is a methyl fl- like something that helps your brain use the anti I don't know I've been on yeah but thank god for pharmaceutical
1: I, they are li- listen big pharma sucks. and so like i don't actually take Prozac i take yeah Prozac. same Prozac actually uses prison labor so um and i am an abolitionist so i won't be using anything. Mm-hmm. i won't be using anything where they're using prison labor for a profit any who's will be is, Um, I'm on, I'm essentially on a child's dose of Prozac because I I know this is so weird. And my, my psychiatrist thinks I'm, he likes me, but I do think he thinks I'm a little cuckoo. I, um, I always say I prefer to be a little bit under medicated that like, I still, I like having bad days because I differentiate from the rest of the days. And I, I don't mind the occasional anxious rut or depressive rut. I can't, I now have the skills because of my brilliant therapist Right, work my way out of that. Um, and I, I, because I'm an actress, I, I like to have access to, to that. Yeah. All of the, I like to have access to my full emotional life as it were.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Cause when I first went on meds in my thirties, I was like, I'm not going to be funny anymore, but I was, but I was just, wasn't as anxious and now I'm on my meds and I'm in a really stressful time of my life. And I am really, it's like, yeah, I'm on the meds. It's probably be worse if I wasn't on the meds, but I'm still, I have feelings, you know, like I'm
1: still, so yeah, I totally get with the, "Mm, you don't want the. I have to tell you, I was on Lexapro a couple of years ago and that did start to happen. There was a, it was very efficacious for about two and a half years, and then I was on set, and I was having a hard time remembering my lines. Yeah. I called my, my doctor, and I was like, and I was on the lowest dose possible, so I wasn't even on. Right. Busy, and he was like, it's time to get off. And I was like, yes. I, I, it made me so sad. I was like, what is going on? I just felt like, um, you know, the efficacy wears off. You're not supposed right. to- Wherever you can switch. You can take breaks. I always like to try to take a medication vacation, but I, I'm I'm not there yet.
0: But I'm too afraid. I'm so afraid. I I've have tried.
1: Have a good, um, both psychiatrist and therapist. Yeah, You'd be able to take a tiny vacation. Yeah.
0: Okay, and the, we call the podcast "Kill Me Now" because, um, as my mother's daughter, uh, every day I get aggravated over something ridiculous. And, and I'm like, kill me now. I can't take it. So what pisses you off and makes you so fucking crazy angry?
1: So many things. Um, Henry, my beloved child, my son, dog, my seven-year-old dog, he's seven pounds. When he barks, I literally threaten to call the ASPCA on myself. I'm like, Henry, no, no kill me. I'm going to kill you. I mean, I do about a nine minute monologue when he has a bark fit to no one, to everyone around. It doesn't matter. It does. It's the barking. But do you think it's, is it the shock of the bark or is it? Cause I get jolted. No, it's not the shock. It's that it's, there's a pitch. There's a slight howl in the bark. There's, Mm. you know, he is my first son. I did make some mistakes. So he has some of my trauma in there and I hear it and I'm like, kill me now. Um, (laughs) But you, I love that you relate to it. I love that you're like. Oh, oh, it's, it's like my pain and his bark. And I'm like, I can't take it. I refuse to handle this. No, 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 no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. You, I just, this was such a treat. I can't. You're just a, you're just fucking great. You're just going to be such a force of your generation. I'm telling you.
1: No, no, I, if I don't know what my generation is. right now. All I know
0: is that you are, I'm just, we need more like you, but there aren't that many. So, um, yeah, I just, I love it. I love, I read that you want parts that scare the shit out of you. I just love that you are, there's not many people like you that want to fucking challenge, 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 and are open, open, open and self-aware, self-aware, self-aware. It's just fucking beautiful and gorgeous.
1: That's extremely fucking nice. I feel like, um, let's talk every day.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm in. I just wish you all the best. I hope one day, I would love to work with you one day, like anything, you're just a fucking the best.
1: This has been so fun. Thank you for having me. I'm like, this is, it's rare. You know, when you meet someone in your tribe, about even not including, you know, our tribe tribe, but you get it, you know, you see it. Yeah,
0: you're the best thank you so much for listening to part two of kill me now with the one and only molly k bernard who is my new best friend okay we are bfs anyway kill me now is produced by laura vogel edited by colin schmaling this podcast would not be possible nor would my life be possible without the help of Brittany joe Sowards. if you like the show make sure to subscribe please leave a review please come on other people have so many fucking And I don't have as many as I like, and I've been doing this for a long time. So review, subscribe, five stars, buy my book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians. We're all in trouble. Watch Hysterical on FX, on Hulu. It's on Hulu. It's really good if you want to know what it's like to be a female comedian. What else? Go to my website, JudyGold.com, and it'll tell you everywhere I'm performing, everything I'm doing, which is not a lot. But uh, I will be performing all summer in Provincetown, Massachusetts, as usual, because I fucking love it here. And, um, you know, it'll have uh, my other dates on there because I am traveling around a little bit. So follow me at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, you know, like Jew, because I'm a Jew, on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, You can fight with me. You can argue with me. I don't care um, because I am a miserable human being. Anyway, I can't thank you enough for your love and support. And if you're listening all the way to the end, I love you even more, okay? Because I know that I'm long-winded. But uh, really, thank you for your support. Please get vaccinated. If you aren't vaccinated, there's something wrong with you in your head. I love you. Be well. And uh, as we always say, so long. (laughs)